When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hail cheaters and welcome to the Always Cheating FPL podcast. My name is Brandon. Josh is away this week and it's just as well. I think we're both smarting from game week four. An international break could heal all wounds. Sitting in for Josh this week is our good friend Sam Danby Bailey. I've known Sam for years now and Sam you've lived all over the world and now you find yourself in Norway. I have so many questions for you about what FPL is like, what football is like in Norway. Sam, first of all, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Yeah, thanks very much, Brandon. It's um, an absolute pleasure to be here. I'm um, doing very well yourself. Sam, you you are known around uh, the Always Cheating Circle for a very famous Black Horse Pub story. Uh, of course, Black Horse Pub is Always Cheating HQ on Saturday and Sunday mornings when we go and, and watch the football there. Sam, you were coming through New York uh, on work, and you met us at the uh, Black Horse Pub, and it was very hot that day. I can't remember if it was the start of the season or near the end, but you were so warm in your pants that you went up to the bartender and you asked for something. Can you tell me what happened on that day? Yeah, it was, um, it was actually in September, and I came and joined you at the Black Horse, so I was having such a great day, and you're right, it was very warm outside. So because of the great company, I didn't want to leave. So I did go inside and get a pair of scissors and uh, cut my cut my trousers into shorts. <laughs> I could I mean, we'll, we'll get into this a little bit, but you have been playing non-league football for much of your life, which means you've got you you've got healthy looking legs. There was a table of women just next to us who were totally wrapped by what you were doing with your trousers. So even if they were having a bad game week, you lifted the mood that day by turning your your trousers into shorts. Uh, so what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about early season clues, international break blues, and as hinted, Norwegian news. Uh, and I think early season clues here is uh, I, I've, I've sort of doubted that I know what the story is uh, so far in the Premier League. Who's good? Who's bad? Maybe my head's been in, been in the sand, though. So we're looking for early season clues. And heading into that international break, we've got a lot of questions about, is it time to wildcard, taking points, hits for transfers? How much do we need to be thinking about overhauling our team based on what those clues may be? Before we do that, of course, we must pick the bones of game week four. I finished on 69 points. I made one free transfer, and that was... William Saliba to Udogi. So that was a net gain for me, uh, Udogi coming in and getting the uh, assist. But 69 points is is four, actually three points below the game average. And I take my second red arrow of the season, dropping me down to an OR of 1.016. 
million. So I've started the game week, Sam, just just shy of 500K in overall rank, and I'm, I'm taking the hit. But there's not a lot separating the people in the uh, one to two to three million range with the people at the top. Is that you, Sam? Are you near the top? You had a pretty good game week. It um, seems to be a, a trend at the start of the year, so I do normally start off quite lucky. Uh, it does help with triple captain in first week. Yeah, t- tell us, tell us yeah. about that, Sam. You do that week, uh, season after season, game week one. You play your triple captain on whoever it may be, Salah. You did Erling Holland uh, this season. Do you feel like that has helped? I mean, it's, it it generally hits for you in game week one. Does it help long term though? I think I like it because I don't enjoy the arranging when to play your triple captain. Is it the right week? I just like to get it out of the way. And I think at the start of the season, people are pretty eager to to, to do well, to start the season off uh, with a bang. And it worked out okay this this year. I got two goals from from Holland. And um, generally, I, I kind of eases my mind going yeah. into the rest of the season where it's done. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and some people went and did the triple captain on Holland this week, game week four. So a hat trick and an assist. You'll be a, you'll be a little jealous. So it set out your stall for the rest of the season. You don't have to worry about it anymore. Where does that put you after game week four? Yeah, I made two transfers this week. I did the, the very um, popular Mbomo and Sterling transfers, um, Rashford out, and then a midfielder that wasn't playing. And then this week I finished on 97 points. So it went okay. Yes. Um, Where does that put you yeah. overall for the season? So I went from around just over 200,000 and now I'm just over 20,000. Jeez, so it's okay. Sam. Okay, you're doing all right. And you've been playing for a long time. I think this is, uh, last I checked, like your 13th season playing FPL. Yeah. Um, it's. I normally tail off at the end, not in terms of I stopped playing, <laughs> But when things start to go bad, I start to make really bad decisions. So yeah. I'm really trying to to avoid that going forward. Yeah. A bit of an odd game week from my perspective. There were players that really went off. I mean, that would be the defining piece of uh, of game week four is the players who hit big, like Alvarez Holland, of course, who was universally captain. Shout out to Jeremiah in, in our uh in our friend league who captained Alvarez, you thought, Hey, that could, that could go pretty well, but he, he was uh, overshadowed by Holland. You also had the, the hat trick from son Ferguson, who's not necessarily widely owned, but somebody who we can talk about in terms of early season clues. And I look at my team and it's just drip, drip, drip of points, seven pointer from Rashford next to Holland. Those were really my only highlights you know, assists from Saka and Udagi and Foden, but not much else. Nicholas Jackson and Ben Chilwell combining for two points. Andre Onana. So I I was kind of licking my lips seeing everyone pained by Jordan Pickford's, you know, clean sheet wipeout followed by an own goal. He still manages to finish on one point, which in the grand scheme of goalkeepers this season, one point is nothing to complain about. I think there are a lot of other people out there uh, who can complain about their keepers. Who who do you have in goal there, Sam? Yeah, um, I have Alisson and I've stuck with him since the start. Um, I did actually start the season, well, I planned to start the season with Edison, but getting the kind of um, the leak before the kickoff, um, first game week, hearing that Foden and Alvarez started, I quickly took out Alvarez, but I needed to remove a City player, so Edison uh, was removed for Alisson. Yes. 
Okay. All right. I appreciate that logic. So from you, you're, you're a veteran. Do you feel Sam four weeks in that this season feels different than previous? Does it feel basically a variation of the same thing we we've seen over the last decade? Cause I'm, as I, as I've kind of been hinting at, I I'm really struggling to get a bead on, on the vibe of the season. I mean, is it really going to be a season that's all about Spurs, which I would not have predicted from the start? Yeah, I mean, last year they started well. I think they beat City in the first few games. Uh, I think they yep. won their first three or first four last season. So it's not a surprise, or it's not the first time Spurs have started out well. But I think they definitely look better than they've looked. They look very well organised. They're exciting to watch. Um, but other than that, I mean, in terms of FPL, there are some surprises in terms of who's scoring the top most points each week, who's the most point scorers overall. But generally, a lot of the players who are kind of scoring the most points now have been talked about or mentioned or or recommended before the game weeks that are coming in. There's only a few players really that have stood out and been like, wow, we didn't see that coming. Um, yeah. But it's, every year it's kind of different to the year before and this year is going to be different. And I think uh, we're going into international break now. Same conversation as as every year. Should I should I wildcard at the start? My team's not looking like it was supposed to. <laughs> this is not what I planned. So yeah. I mean that that's familiar. Yeah. So, but ninety seven points in game week four. You're you have a great rank. You're nowhere close to wildcarding at this point, right, Sam? I mean, do you have any anxieties about your team heading into the break? Problems that you feel like you need to solve, even though you're doing so well. I mean, there's always players that I want to get in. Um, I think. This time of the season, the first international break is always a big talk around, should we wildcard, should we not? Um, I think it does help. You know, you can always remember the last round you had. So mm-hmm. I think if you had a bad round this week, people are certainly asking questions about, I need to pull the button. I need to I need to, I need need to, to do my wildcard. But if you've had a good round, I think you can sit back a little bit and relax and kind of see how the international games play out. Yeah. Um, so I'm certainly not thinking about it unless there's any critical changes. Yeah, and there are still some interesting, even though the the transfer window has shut for the Premier League, there are still movements that could happen. There is talk of Mo Salah still could be moving to Saudi Arabia, depending on uh, what sort of talks happen between Liverpool and the, the Saudis this this week. I mean, you're a Liverpool supporter, Sam. What is going on with Mo? Is Mo... I mean, <laughs> Mo, speaking of drip, 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 this is like a always on faucet. And I was on always cheating last week saying, no, 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 I will never have Mo because there's no value at 12 and a half. But here he is assisting, scoring goals, just doing his thing. I mean, do you do you have room in your team? Should managers who do not have Salah be, be seriously considering changing their view on a player cost 12 and a half? I, I think we still hold off. I think yeah. if they are going to come in with a lot of money or even more money than they've kind of um, bid before, I think Liverpool sh- aren't going to easily keep saying no, to be honest. Yeah. His age, right. the, yeah. the money. It's, um, so I think you hold, wait for Salah and see what happens over the international break. Yeah, and that's that's the trick with... I mean, I, we see a lot of successful wild cards. Uh, shout out to Patreon Luke, who wild carded into game week four and finished on 99 points. So that uh, there were wild carders into game week four that proved the doubters wrong. The benefit of holding to this point is, like we said, with Salah, you get to see if there is a conclusion to any of these stories. 
You get to uh, ward off any uh, injury news. Fingers crossed none of our players get get hurt during the break. There's just a lot of travel, and then we could see, on account of uh, that travel, some rotation in squads in Game Week 5. Uh, I, myself, uh, with a below-average Game Week 4... I'm not at all tempted to wild card because the thing, the problems I see in my team uh, are pretty evident and easily fixable by sideways moves. What do you think about this, Sam? Foden, Alvarez, Holland as a triple city that's just unanimous across uh, all FPL teams. Yeah, I've um, I've had them from the start, so I'm pretty happy. I mean, um, we're seeing different. Of course, now De Bruyne is out. Um, Foden looks like somebody he's not really looked like before. We're really seeing him more often in the right places, being very creative. Yeah. And now Alvarez is on every, almost every set piece. He's taking corners. He's involved in free kicks. He's playing just behind behind the striker. I think it's not only just exciting to watch them play. You have quite a lot of skin in the game then if you've got these guys as well. So um, I think it helps. The concern with, you know, we saw Doku come in and get his first start on the right and Foden, I guess, positionally is is on the left in that setup. Uh, Pep continues to bring more options into the squad. Grealish is not going to be on the bench every game. That's the bargain you make when you bring in the high-ceiling Man City assets. I guess from what we've seen so far this season, Alvarez and Holland feel like the best picks, and Foden uh, is, is in the punt territory. What would you say would be the conditions, Sam, of really seriously needing to or should be considering wild carding during the break like what kind of problems have you seen other managers running into that you're like yeah maybe this is the time to wild card yeah i mean you kind of touched upon it then you said you know you're pretty laid back about it you might have had a bad week so so you said you've had a not your best week but your team is pretty much full of all players we're going to talk about when you talk about who you should wild card in yeah um so i think you know um We'll talk a little bit more about it later, but I think if you've got critical players who are not playing, they're not playing in teams that have that are consistent. They're not consistently performing themselves. If um, you've got players who are maybe not even getting getting game time, you've got a, a weak bench. I think if if all these of a combination together are starting to kind of be very evident, and, and it's been kind of consistently not the round you want the last four weeks, then you know four or five areas that need to be changed then maybe it is time to wildcard because you know I don't know what your thoughts are about it but sometimes I find that if everybody else wildcards I feel like I'm sat still and I yeah. come out of the international break where everyone gets a couple of game weeks ahead of me um so if you've got a, yeah, yeah what's your thoughts it may be that everyone is then a few steps ahead of you but then there is always the contrarian in me that is like oh now I have a different team than everybody I didn't wildcard in all of the new great players I mean it seems kind of dumb strategically because the the players that people would naturally wildcard in are the ones that we're now discovering are the players to get <laughs> so uh, logic would say they have the better team but then mm-hmm. then I get move into this position of hope well I've I've continued to hang on to Rashford now Rashford is going to just blow everybody away now I do wonder with uh Hoyland now being fit uh, to replace Martial, who was just completely invisible during that Arsenal match. And Hoyland looked decent coming in. Does this Is this what Manchester United have needed to change the conversation around their fantasy assets? Uh, does, it, does it sort of beef up 
their attack in ways that they they needed to. Um, one question here before we get into some housekeeping. It comes from our friend AJ who says, I've seen an argument emerging in some circles that since season's point totals seem to be increasing every year, so people are finishing on higher total FPL points season after season, taking a four-point hit is less harmful than it used to be. What are our thoughts. I I don't know if you caught this question in the running order beforehand. Mm. I might be taking you off guard here, Sam, but I thought it was an interesting question to ask heading into the break where points hits are on the menu for people who are insistent on holding on to their wild card. I mean, how are you with numbers here, Sam? Is this just, is it true that the four point hit is now like a two point hit, that sort of a thing? I mean, I tend to believe the scoring system has not changed. The scoring system is still exactly the same. Therefore, you cannot argue that a minus four is any less harmful uh, or more harmful. It's just the same, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I think I saw the question. I thought it was a super question. Um, but for me, I think that um, I'm still, you know, overall, potentially, if we're getting more points every year, where of course it's it's a smaller percentage of your total score, but we want to make fantasy fun again, right? We want mm-hmm. to we're, we're, we're ever so less um, involved in in focusing on our overall rank. We're quite more focused now on mini leagues, head to head leagues, these special leagues where if you if you come under the the that weekly score, for example, last year to stand in, right? these these special yeah. leagues that we really are focusing on these days and. Yeah, maybe overall score, it, it, it is a smaller portion, but those people you're playing against, those more patient people are still not taking as many hits as you. And you're still going to finish below the line in your mini league or head to head based upon that week's point score. So yeah. I think that I still, you still, I think still play the same. Um, I don't think, I wouldn't feel more encouraged to take any more hits. I think enough already, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, I think, yeah, the argument for hits is not the effect, uh, sort of the the material cost to your overall rank or whatever. It's what is it going to take for you to move to a different player? Because I think what may have ah, shooting from the hip, Sam, but does it feel like with more money in the Premier League now than 10 years ago. More money means the lo- the teams lower down the table are better, meaning uh, there are better FPL assets all around the league that we should be looking to chase as the season goes, as fantasy managers. Taking minus four transfer hits might be more useful now because there are so many good assets to have. And if you free yourself up, to just jump more quickly onto these assets through transfer hits, there may be a higher ceiling for you. So, right, does that make sense, Sam? It's less about your overall score. It's more about kind of like what you were saying, week to week, if you can take a minus four to get a short-term gain by getting an in-form asset, uh, that might be a way to look at it. Yeah, I think the scores are pretty much still the same as they were 10 years ago, right? People are still winning 1-0, people are still winning 0-0, people are all still winning 5-1. I think there's also you have these players now in FPL that are starting to kind of group together and be higher point scorers every year, a little collection. So I think it's not, you know, everybody captains Holland every week. There's not really a question about captaincy anymore. So everybody already automatically has his points doubled 
mostly throughout <laughs> yeah. the season. So I think it's easier to find those couple of players who are guaranteed to score high. But I still think that, um, you know, I think less poor decisions can yeah. be made. Good. Uh, if that makes sense. Yeah. And we should change the make fantasy fun again slogan to make less poor decisions. I think that is, uh, that's pretty catchy on its own. I'm just looking at my uh, overall point scores from seasons past. My first season in 2011, 2012, my total points were 1,824. Man, that is a pretty poor showing from, from the BK Broilers. Moving up to last season where uh, I was 2,534, I bet there is a way to map captaincy uh, scores and the universal getting of captaincy scores correct throughout the course of a season to having a high points total on average. So a uh, Luis Suarez or Robin Van Persie, everyone's captaining them every week season. Last season, everyone captaining Holland, uh, Mo Salah, the, the, the two seasons before that. I wonder if that's the story that's being told mm. um, as opposed to uh, the one I was trying to, to cook up five minutes ago. But I think also, I mean, now there's probably double the amount of people since then playing. True. So that means that there's um, you need to get more points to get a higher rank. So maybe we are really needing to get more points to finish the top of our main leagues to get higher up in the overall rankings so maybe we are making more thoughtful decisions Mm. than we used to because even doing so in the past we probably would have still won our mini league or won against our work friends and it's not the case anymore my my work league is tough (laughs) have you ever won it um, came second last year in the like last last game week. Okay, that that's actually a good segue into our our Norway segment and and why that country is so bloody good at FPL. Before we do that though, uh, let's run through the top ten of the always cheating Super League. Just go to alwayscheating.com and hit the league tab to auto join the Super League. We're closing in on twenty five thousand managers in there, which is great to see. Uh, we've got a three-way tie for you know uh, ninth, tenth, and eleventh place between Ahmed uh, Midemeg, Bentley Joes, and Gustav Sandgren in seventh. It's Fabian Brown tied with Wesley Hughes. Two-way tie for fifth: Donald Power and Thomas Spencer in fourth. It's Dave Mananigan, Monaghan, Monahan. Dave Monahan. I got that. Keith Flynn in third. Up to second, we've got Christopher MJ Carnes. And in the top spot, it's Ella Holmberg. Uh, 114 points. A great finish for Christopher Carnes in game week four. Uh, Patreon, if you like what you hear uh, and want to say thank you and get more FPL content in return, please visit patreon.com slash always cheating. You get immediate access to the Always Cheating Discord, where we are talking strategy 24-7, and we're talking other things, FPL. You can also join a a ton of mini leagues. Sam, you were just saying there how a focus for a lot of managers looking to make it more about fun. It's, let me join some mini leagues so I can focus not just on my overall rank, and I love what I see there on our Discord. You also get an extra podcast each week at the Lord Sorloth tier and above. Those are ad-free. Big thank you to our new Patreon supporters, Ellie Pinner, Stuart Woods, Jamie Browse, Emily Thornley. Emily is an admin extraordinaire on our Discord. Thank you, Emily, for everything you do over there. John Healy, Lachlan Hyatt, and our newest producer patron, 
Lolly again. If you want that extra podcast access to the Discord and more, visit patreon.com slash always cheating. Sam, take us to this far-flung country called Norway. You have lived in many different places around the world. Your uh, football career took you from England to Wales to the States and now to Norway. How did you find playing football in Norway differed from like Wales and England in particular? Yeah, it was um, very cool. I mean, I do have to say that I've not been playing professionally here. It's, um, it is non-league, um, but I've been quite fortunate to um, in most of the teams I've played, you know, surrounded by uh, ex-professionals or or players who went on to be pros, and a lot of the boys, um, a little bit of a shout out to some of them, you know, they're still playing in some of the Europa Conference leagues or Europa League uh, with some of the teams. So nice. it's really cool to see them go on while I am the physique I am today. Um, <laughs> it's those legs, yeah. Sam. Those legs, yeah, yeah. Uh, like 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 tree trunks. But so, are have you like are you graduating onto the coaching uh, career? Are you doing the the Phil Neville, Frank Lampard uh, sort of move here? Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm I've been playing now for um, you know almost twenty years in the adult game. So um, came coming to Norway uh, after an injury in Wales. One of the last games I played in Wales, I. Um, actually represented um, Wales at a, a university level, which is quite fun against Ireland and Scotland. Um, but yeah, I have been coaching. So when I first moved to Norway, um, I played with a team here. Um, and then one of my first jobs here in Norway was also to coach um, the local professional football team, uh, their under-19s team. Um, so I have been doing some coaching um, since then. And I guess um, it's probably a uh, Soon time to bow out. We'll see. I um, had a big injury last <laughs> big injury last year, so maybe yeah. it's um, I'll probably never come back. Now you mentioned coaching coming to Norway. I mean, there are there are some currently some very good Norwegian players in the Premier League. Martin Odegaard might be the best midfielder in the league right now. I'm sure that's a controversial thing to to say. I mean, compare Odegaard to Rodri. They they're two they're doing kind of like two different jobs for their teams. If you had to pick between Odegaard and Rodri, who would you want in your team, Sam? Odegaard, of course. Uh, he's, he's super, super fun to watch. Um, he's captain of uh, Arsenal now, which is really impressive to see. It's a um, huge lift for, for Norway, especially. They're very proud of him. Um, and is more attacking, which, although mm-hmm. <laughs> Rodri scores quite a few goals, um, it's nice to see a playmaker play football. So that's my preference. Now, Erling Holland, he, uh, he's a Golden Boot winner. He's a treble winner. Uh, he's a UEFA Player of the Year winner. He's also Norwegian. Uh, he's a big guy, so I'm sure he's easy to spot if you see him in the country. But I happen to know that you've had a few run-ins with this man. When's the first time that you encountered Erling Holland in Norway? Running sounds aggressive, but um, no. <laughs> yeah, not in a back alley of a yeah, bar yeah. for sure. You wouldn't be podcasting with me right now. You'd be six feet underground, I'm guessing. He's um, yeah, super guy. So he's um, of course. He, I mean, he was born in in, in the UK, but um, his family's from here. Um, his um, actually grandparents um, this this street I live on. Um, but when I first moved to Norway, um, I remember watching him. He was probably 15, and he was playing for local club Gruner. Um, and then he's got his professional debut that during that time, I remember watching him. And then when I started coaching for the under 19s team, he was still at Britain before he signed for Molde with, um, Solskjaer. So I was very fortunate to have that period 
Um, he was in. He, he was still training then before he went to Mulder. Um, and then, kind of when he and don't tell Solskjaer, yeah. when he was at, when he was at Mulder, he used to come home quite often to see his friends, and he would come and join in. You know, Friday shooting drills, um, <laughs> and he he nearly beat me a few times as well. <laughs> so you did a shooting drill where you were in direct competition with Hurling Holland. I, I, we would always join in with the with the boys. Um, yeah. So fr- Friday nights we would always have um, okay. shooting training. He would. Um, I don't know if you've seen the video where he's training with Norway and he's trying to train training in the stadium and he he just hits one on the volley from outside the box and it smashes into the top corner. He would do that then. He could hit a ball <laughs> so hard wherever he wanted it. He was such a cool player to play and you could even see it like 16, 17. He was um, kind of the boss on the pitch over a lot of the 19-year-olds, 20-year-olds. I mean, does that kind of blow your mind that here is a kid that you saw at such a young age before he was known continentally that you would be triple captaining him in a fantasy game? <laughs> no, but I, I mean, I've always, I've always said, I remember, um, not that I promote betting, but I, I remember sending a request bet to a lot of the betting, <laughs> betting organizations in uh-huh. 2016, 17, yeah. saying, you know, I wanted to put bets on Erling Haaland playing in a Champions League final, playing in the Premier wow. League. Um, so I was pretty confident. You, you knew yeah. he had something. He, um, yeah. there's, I'll tell you, there's, there's one funny story where he played um, in the Norwegian system. You play for a club, but you can also play for the first team and the second team. And um, it was in the news in Norway recently, uh, the last year, where he um, was having his usual um, one-to-one um, fights with the defender and i remember the defender said something to him and he turned around and said i don't know what he said mm-hmm. exactly but he basically turned around and said look in in three or four years you're still going to be here maybe not at all and i'll be in the premier league um <laughs> at like 16 17 he was he was saying things like that yeah what a legend now you mentioned he has roots in the town where you are currently based sam and you were you were just telling me an amazing story about how he gives back to the community there particularly the youth. Um, I mean, can you talk a little bit about what he's done for the kids in, in town and, and their passion for the sport? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's certainly a football-loving town, um, mm-hmm. especially where we are here. And you see kids, you know, they, they used to have uh, Mulder T-shirts, shirts, then they all had Dortmund shirts, and then uh, now they all have uh, Man City shirts with Holland on the back. So Fairweather uh, plastic fans in Norway. Yeah, Come on now. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, <laughs> So, so they, um, you know, he's, he, there was a video recently where he came home while the kids were training, and he he, he went over and he and he. Uh, it's a funny video where he refuses to sign the Liverpool shirt, but um, <laughs> he actually um, he he just gave uh, over a thousand kids, um, every child under twelve that plays football in this municipality, a gift, which is really cool. So mm-hmm. they were um, very excited. All the kids were really excited to get the gift. It was um, a football, a football kit, a bag, water bottle. Um, so it is certainly, um, you know, everybody has a favorite team plus Erling, uh, yeah, and that's what right. it's like in this town. It's, um, they're super proud of him and he's a super, you know, down to earth, um, remembers where he's from kind of person and uh, nobody's got anything bad to say about him. He's a super, super guy. That's amazing. I love, I love hearing those stories where you see that these people with superhuman abilities are really, uh, good down to earth, uh, people. So then let's, let's talk about Norway as, a whole, you've been there for years now, you're putting roots down. What have you learned about why Norway is obsessed with FPL? We were talking to our network, Blue Wire, and they were like, yeah, this is weird. We don't see this with any of the other shows on our network. Your top uh, download countries are the United States, the UK, and Norway? 
it's pre- predominantly that network is like NFL football, NBA, college sports. And then here we come in with the Premier League show and we're big in Norway. So what is it about Norway that just breeds this passion for the Premier League and the FPL game? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll probably be careful what I say. I'm going to probably find out this week who is listening that I know if it's so popular. <laughs> but um, I think the, the generally as a nation, they are super competitive. Um, they 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 love all sports. You know, whether it's um, winning an Olympic uh, Winter Olympics, it could be you know a lot of the football talent that's coming through. Um, a lot of the Olympic um, track athletes, um, some of the world records that are coming out now are, are from people even from up the, the road here too. They're, they're a super competitive nation. They love their sports. They love football. Uh, of course, in the 90s, they had, um, for example, Erling's dad was playing, Alfinger mm-hmm. Wolland was playing in Leeds, Forest. Um, they've got a lot of um, players and, and they kind of, they support them um, pretty much throughout their careers and they're really proud of them. Um, but it's their competitiveness, for sure. Um, I mean, without going into some, sci- some financial psychology, they're also super at saving money. So maybe they're <laughs> maybe that means they're very good at the long game in FPL. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> um, um, so it could be a psychology thing, but um, I think they pride themselves on doing really well in, in whatever it is um, competitively. And I mean, in terms of Norwegian kind of, I don't know if I say it right, but like Jan Tullov and is this thing. It's like. Um, where Norwegians like, you know, it's like a law in Norway. It's like, you're not better than anybody. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got to work hard to do well. But when it comes to sports, they just completely ignore it. And they are just, we're going to win everything. So it's yeah. um, a true credit to them. And it's been super being around them uh, when they're like that. Well, I will be just just from the sheer star wattage of getting both Odegaard and Erling into the next major uh, tournament. I am rooting for them and qualifying for their Euros. I expect they'll be a shoe in what do you i mean not to not to jinx them but i mean what are their chances of qualifying for the euros this time around i'd like to say very high but yeah. um since i've been here they've they've kind of almost nearly made it quite often um yeah. even the playoffs last time so um but but of course i think you know i, I i'd really love them to do so um mm-hmm. But I think they always, you know, somebody will get injured and, and or, or they'll maybe get their own fixture or they have a poor away game. Um, but yeah, I really hope this is the year where um, they can really show everybody what they've got on the big stage. Let's do it. Well, big shout out to all of our Norwegian listeners out there or uh, any expats like Sam who are listening from Norway. Uh, we're really proud to have you as part of the Always Cheating community. Sam, let's take a quick break and come back and talk about some early season FPL clues we've picked up along the way as we head into the international break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, welcome back. I'm here with our good friend Sam, and we're going to talk about Chelsea. Okay, you brought in Raheem Sterling going into game week four. You had stars in your eyes, Sam. You thought, man, this guy is just like a machine. Uh, he, and he didn't get the call up for England, uh, I believe. So he'd be, he'd be angry. There's nothing better than an in-form, angry, attacking player. Uh, and Raheem Sterling uh, blew it. <laughs> I mean, he blew it in some ways. Uh, uh, less than Nicholas Jackson. I mean, just on the open goal that Nicholas Jackson had against Forrest near the end of that game, Raheem Sterling should be at least walking away with five points from that game. So how dirty was Raheem Sterling done by Nico Jackson uh, and the rest of this Chelsea side? Or based on game week four, Sam, are you worried about all of your Chelsea picks? Yeah, I mean, I have Sterling and Jackson. Um, and if he scored that, I would have hit over 100 points. But um, I know. But um, if, I mean, What if, what if? <laughs> Sterling, I mean, he's not... He's only returned in one game, right? So mm-hmm. I think we all should have known what we were getting ourselves into. And I think he's one of those players where, you know, how do you find somebody who's going to go off? And let's be honest, I mean, he looked good in the first few games. He looked exciting. He was getting on the ball a lot. He was running at people. He was getting in dangerous areas. For me, that is someone looking like they're going to do well. Next game week, yeah, he did. He scored two. Um, and so it's understandably that people got excited, to be honest. Um, stats people would say he's overperforming. Fair enough. Um, I'm going to keep him. Um I think um, he's somebody that I will continue to enjoy watching at the moment while he's playing like he is. And just considering the, the the discussion to interrupt you, Sam, about Chelsea is fixtures, fixtures, fixtures. Forget how poor some of their players may look and what does Sterling have on the horizon. It's Bournemouth away when they come back from the break. And again, Sterling's going to be fresh. Uh, having not traveled Villa at home and then Fulham Burnley, which is an incredible game week seven game week, eight double header. So it's all there. And I agree with you. I think if you've gone so far as to, um, to bring Sterling in, you've got to give him another week or so to, to reward you for, for that. 
I don't think the same is true of Nicholas Jackson. Concern with Nicholas Jackson is, I mean, am I overstating it, Sam, to say he's been spectacularly awful? He's also quite exciting to watch. <laughs> okay, um, Mr. But, nice Guy over here. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think, but 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 that doesn't make him a good fantasy asset. Sure. Of course not. Um, I mean, he he seems to he looks a little bit like Nunes did last year. I know probably everyone's saying that, but um, he looks like he knows how to play football. He was mm-hmm. very good in preseason. I watched quite a lot of him in preseason, but it's just not working out for him. It's not like the ball's not coming to him either. So it's it's, it's a difficult um, it's 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 difficult to defend him because he's getting in very good areas himself. He's getting in super places where he can score, kind of you know high level chances, but they're just not going in. It seems like he looks like he's playing with a, looks like a good football player who's nervous or kind of I don't know if. Um, but so it's kind of going a little bit against what you expected of Chelsea's discussion yeah. today. But I mean, if you haven't got him, I'd certainly say don't bring him in. So I, I guess we zero in on a hold for Nicholas Jackson. I I tend to agree. He's looked, he's not been effective at all as a fantasy asset. I'm going to try to adopt your positive attitude here, Sam. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he is an albatross around uh, the the neck of your fantasy team. You see players like Ferguson or even Darwin to, to resurrect him. Uh, you just mentioned his name doing so much better than Nico Jackson. I think if you've got, say you're in my position, I've got two free transfers to spend. I could, I I'm very seriously considering Jackson to Alvarez uh, going into game week five. It just feels like a very sensible move. I think if you can sensibly dump Jackson, that's great. I think the fixture argument for Jackson, I don't feel like it applies anymore just based on what we've seen on top of the fact that he could have, Jackson could have a Darwin Nunez-like problem where now with Cole Palmer at Chelsea, Pochettino does have a, a different option in the number nine. Now Cole Palmer could play on one of the wings uh, wherever Sterling isn't playing and all kind of like feeding into Nicholas Jackson in the number nine. But I could also see Pochettino saying, I need to rescue Jackson from this situation. It's not doing him any good to be out there. Let's kind of train him back into form uh, somehow, somehow without him under the bright lights of the Premier League. So I'm worried about some uh, Richarlison-esque rotation happening here with Nico Jackson in the, in the next few weeks. Chilwell, uh, I guess he's the last thing that we would need to discuss about Chelsea. He's getting subbed early. He's being played like full on on the wing, not even at fullback. I mean, what what's gone wrong here with with Chilwell? Just bad luck. Yeah, he's um, he's pretty much got a bit of a free roll on the left. Um, could it be that the formation that he wants to play? Chilwell doesn't maybe fit in it or that he doesn't trust him as a defender because mm-hmm. he wants him so high up. Um, I mean, it's, um, I know we brought him off on the weekend again and kind of tried to bolster the attack. Maybe Chilwell could have been part of that attack the way he goes up and down. Maybe Chilwell signaled to say that he was tired or, mm-hmm. or that he was feeling something, who knows? Um, would you hold him if you had him? I think so. Uh, mm. I think so. I don't think he's uh, like a rotation concern. So I think we hold him. If I'm looking to make any transfers 
now it's the midfield and forward because that's where we're seeing the the informed player. Speaking of form, Daniel Brubaker asks, how good are Spurs? Ange ball is is truly a thing. Uh, so are you a believer in Big Ange and what he's doing there at Spurs? Is this is this for real? I hope so. Uh, I mean, they lost Kane. Um, so, I mean, there was talk of them finishing in the bottom half before the season. Um, but they are, again, you know, they're, they're very fun to watch. They've um, brought in Madison, who, who definitely is um, helping that, and he's doing really well in the fantasy terms as well. But we are still four weeks in. I think, I think we need to take it easy with Spurs winning the league. But I do think that they are uh, certainly the team to get some players in from if you don't already. Um, sure. I, I can, I can, I can, I, I want some of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give me that. So yeah. if, if we take the theme of early season clues, I think the early season clue for Chelsea is shrug emoji. Who knows what's going on there? It's still kind of, it's still chaos. The early season clue for Spurs is maybe we don't know what the floor or ceiling for the club is in their first season under Ange. But we do know the clues do all point to James Madison as being an incredible, incredible fantasy pick. So I think Udagi as a 4.5, I think he's probably going to be up to 4.7 or 4.8 by the time the, the break is over. Defender in Madison, that is, uh, the dream is real. Crudengold wants to know, is Son worth rushing in to avoid price rises? So it's not like Sun didn't do this exact same routine last season, Sam, where he was off his game, not in great form, comes through, scores a hat trick, and then what? Then what happens? So where do we go from here with Sun? I think it was off the bench last year, didn't it? Right? Yeah, it was. But, um, Against Danny Ward. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I would like Sun. Um, I don't really have any way of getting him in, but I think especially if you have a chance to get him in. If you're wildcarding, I think coming out of a wildcard without him would be a waste of a wildcard a little bit. Really? Uh, Interesting. So you're full, I think you're, so. you're, you're all in on Sun, it sounds like. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not going to make any heavy changes to get him in myself. I just think, um, you know, he's playing in the middle a little bit now. I don't know if that will change now. Yeah. Johnson, I don't know what their, their plans are for there. Um, but, I mean, who are you going to bring out to bring him in? He is quite expensive. Um, so I think it needs to, you probably need a team makeover or at least two transfers, even Bruno or Rashford, you know, with some, some's 9.1. Yeah. Um, so it takes a lot. Salah could be a great move down. If you yeah. have Salah, any moves? Spurs have Sheffield United coming, uh, off the break in game week five. And then it's Arsenal, Liverpool back to back. So it feels like mm, over investing in Spurs now, this, this is where we have to repress the conservative fantasy manager in us. I don't think the situation is so with Spurs where you have to think of it that way. I think you're right, Sam. If you're, if you're doing wildcard, you have to believe in Spurs probably for the, a longer period of just three to four game weeks because their ceiling in the good fixtures is going to be high enough to reward you. So I think that that's an interesting triple on a wild card it would be son madison and you doggy am i missing any other player that you'd want in um not for me i think you're absolutely correct i think if you're wild carding as you said um yeah we've, there's you know arsenal and liverpool but then luton fulham crystal palace so 
you wouldn't, you want to, I'd say if you're going to bring them in, have an idea of where you might move them if it doesn't work out. Um, and, you know, if you don't have them and you want to bring them in in a few weeks to wait right. and see, then maybe have a plan for that too. Because I think there is a chance that they could keep going. Madison especially, he's not that expensive um, compared to some of the Rashford's, Bruno's son. Um, I think he would be the one for me that I would focus on getting in most. All right, Sam, let's let's move into kind of like trend talk uh those i think spurs and chelsea are the two big clubs that that need tackling right now in terms of larger trends in the game we've got a few questions taylor ferguson asking just uh brought in and bomo and sterling exactly the moves you made sam and i feel like i've been a week behind all my transfers who would you get for the upcoming three to four weeks and jay dizzle also further frames Sort of how do we think about where we are in the season going into the break? This season, it has really felt like it's vital to get on the form players as early as possible. With so many good FPL options out there, your window to get on board with form players can be very short and they become highly owned and template. My question is, how do you work out who the next high scoring player is going to be in order to beat the bandwagon? How much does data eye test play a part at the moment, I see this as one of the few ways of rising quickly in rank. Sam, this is, I think, exactly uh, what, what Dizzle is getting at is exactly what we're talking about in terms of the minus four hit conversation of how quickly can you move and transfer hits might not be uh, an obstacle you should consider because I think Dizzle is right to a degree. You're going to climb based on how quickly you can move to the right players now that's easy to say it is very difficult to do anyone can i was just watching that seinfeld clip of jerry he's trying to rent a car at the airport and he's like yes i have a reservation for a mid-sized car and the and the clerk is like i have your reservation but i don't have the car we ran out of cars and jerry's like i don't know if you know how reservation work works everyone can take reservations but you have to hold the reservation so we're kind of in that territory here with our fantasy teams anybody can transfer guys in the trick is to transfer guys in who who score points so uh with mbomo and sterling you're you're feeling pretty good about those moves sam uh as as holds who else should we be feeling good about over the next three to four weeks who we maybe not we haven't talked enough about yeah um I mean, the, the moves he made there, I think, well done. I think Mbomo is kind of the highest involved um, in terms of expected goal involvement, and I think he'll continue to be so. Um, Brentford have um, expected to do well in the next few fixtures too, so he's definitely staying. Um, I think it's a, it's a really cool question, but you know, how do we get the bandwagon players before they are doing well? Mm-hmm. I think um, you know, it's kind of like putting a bet on Right, nobody nobody screams about the bets they've lost, right? In the when they yeah. when they've won a, when they've won a football accumulator, yeah. and I think it's the same with these players. Where okay, we're very happy when we brought a player in early and they do well, but how do you know which ones? And and it's definitely a combination, as you said. I love to watch games. I like to see which players are looking exciting, which ones are looking like maybe they're they're um, not up for it, but like they're going to continue to be you know the the way the teams are playing, consistent teams with consistent players. So looking for that consistent player in the consistent team. And I think it's not always about getting on the player as early as you can. 
it's about not sitting still. Mm-hmm. And if you look at, for example, the top 15 point scorers so far in, in the whole of FPL, there's only a couple players that are really more than 26% owned. And if you go even further to the top 50 top scorers in the Premier League, mm-hmm. in the Fantasy League, the pattern continues. So it's like, it's, it's very early. So it's not like, you know, some of them are not going to be the top scorers at the end of the season, like uh, Rodri or, or players. But, you know, we've all talked about Son. We've all talked about Bowen, Alvarez, Madison. Erdogan. These are players that we've talked about doing well and have been the players to get involved in. But if you look at a lot of the players that are doing well, they're not really that highly owned yet anyway. So I think it's about not sitting still when we are confident that a player is going to do well uh, and kind of thinking that it's never too, it's not as late as you think it is to get involved. You know, I think chasing bandwagons or chasing somebody that's not yet doing well, but you think well, I think that more likely would lead to that. You're going to pick more players that you think are going to do well, but turn out not to. And then you end up having to use a transfer to get them out again. Yeah. But, but look at look at Bowen. He's he scored 30 points. It's only four games in, but he's still less than 10% owned. That to me, if you're watching the game, you'd be like, wow, he looks very effective. He's getting in the right places. His stats look well. Um, and he's not really that highly owned. Maybe yeah. I take a differential here with the third highest point scorer. Going, continuing on to the through the season now. West Ham looks so good. They are done dirty by the upcoming fixtures, where they have <laughs> City, Liverpool, Sheffield United in game week uh, game week seven, and then Newcastle, Villa. Interesting run. So I think maybe it's a uh, kudos to everybody who got Bowen in for game week four, and then maybe just kind of count your lucky stars. But we'll see. I'd love to be proven wrong. I mean, there's. Nothing about this West Ham team that screams uh, lucky uh, or just hit like a purple patch. They seem to be pl- playing very fluently. Paqueta, who is a player, they I think they expected this level of Paqueta when they brought him in. And yes, I'm going to say his name about five different ways throughout the course of this podcast. I think they expected these levels from him when he came in last season at West Ham. And... Now he is, I think, fully char- recharged after that. The interest from Man City, uh, you know, pl- playing in the Brazilian World Cup squad, and I think he's raising the level of that West Ham midfield, and it's benefiting everybody around him. So I don't want to be a doubter of West Ham. I actually, mm. based on what I've seen, I'm a believer. If 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 you look, at, uh, just throw one out there. What do you think about March? Not the month, but um. <laughs> yeah, it's cold and miserable to be honest yeah. with you, Sam. I like him. Uh, I, I I have come full circle on Brighton, where at the end of last season I was like, "Wow, what an incredible campaign they've mounted!" Deserby, most exciting manager in the Premier League. I have to fade them next season because they're going to lose some of their best players. They're going to be fighting on a European front. Uh, and and so on. Uh, so I just I became my typical negative self. Everything I have seen since I made that prediction has gone the opposite direction. Deserby continues to uh, just put the fear of God in all these players. Like, do right by the system. The system will reward you. And the, every player is 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 doing the business, even with a striker rotation. I mean. Pedro and Ferguson are benefiting from a Welbeck injury where we've got one less forward player to to worry about in terms of rotation. It looked like Deserby liked Welbeck to start the season. But March was the forgotten man because of injury. I like him. 
I like, do I like him enough to actually spend a transfer on him? I guess the answer to that would be no, because Matoma weirdly still, even though he's scored far fewer FPL points than March thus far is the more involved man. Mm -hmm. And I think he's less likely to be subbed. Matoma is during these, these longer and longer matches. So if, if I'm going to spend a transfer on a Brighton winger, why would I take March over Matoma? Is, is it just to be different? I don't know. I mean, on your wild card, would you, would you have, could, would you consider both? Well, okay. Brighton fixtures, United, Bournemouth, Villa, Liverpool, City. And then once we get to game week 10, Fulham, Everton, I don't know. Fixtures don't seem to be terribly relevant to Brighton right now. You know, they're going to have their occasional match against Wolves where the system just breaks down and they get the floor wiped with them. I guess that's just the way it's going to be with Deserby. It's it's mostly feast, but when it's not mostly feast, it's it's a famine. Uh, so I guess you really do have to stick with Brighton on a wild card. So I guess by the nature of these these questions about how do I beat the bandwagon, beat the template, I guess that is the case for March is... I'm going to go March when everyone else is going Matoma because, you know, the reasons I'm going Matoma, I guess, are very marginal. You know, Matoma's going to play a few more minutes than March. Matoma is going to be just a little bit. He's going to be more involved, but in terms of assist, March, March seems to have more goal threat than Matoma at this point. So I guess... By that argument, the signs do point to March being an interesting uh, level up on a wild card squad. So talk to me a little bit about uh, Odegaard coming back to the the Norwegian tip. I mean, we've we've already basically big upped Martin as uh, an incredible player for Arsenal, but he is the one who I think is getting dropped by a lot of fantasy managers who are shying away from Arsenal. Arsenal just while they're they're putting points on the table, they're not the high flying version of themselves that we saw at the start of last season. So some managers out there started with Odegaard and Saka, or maybe it was uh, it was a double of some kind. Sometimes including Martinelli, and it seems like Odegaard is the one losing out. Is that the wrong way to approach Arsenal right now, Sam? I think if yeah, for me, I, I would go Saka first. Saka, then Odegaard, then Martinelli, probably. Um, But I think he's involved in everything. I think, you know, Arsenal need to find him quite often for anything to happen. Um, Looks like he's going to be on some penalties. Uh, We don't know how many yet, um, but it looks like he's going to be getting some extra points from penalties. Um, He's likely to play. I know he came off yesterday, um, but he's likely to play a lot being the captain. I think uh, they know how important he is. Um, So I, I think that if I had him, I would not take him out. Yeah. All right, I I, I'm, I want to talk about Ollie Watkins with you, Sam. From a let's try it from from this perspective, you as a football player now, as you've clearly stated, not at the professional level, you are not Ollie Watkins. But what you know of player mentality, what you know of the position that Watkins is playing, what do you what have you learned about Ollie Watkins either over the last few seasons? Or what is going on with him? And is he just a bad fantasy pick at the moment? He, he's not someone that I'm 
at all thinking about bringing in. Yeah. Um, he's very exciting uh, to watch because he's young. He really, he, you know, he's, he's very eager to score. He's very eager to get on the ball. He's super confident. Kind of, if if somebody enters final third, he's super confident in terms of he really wants the ball. Um, we saw on the weekend. I think it was it. Um, Bailey got in the way of him, and you could see that he was ready. And he, he wanted the ball, so he's not shying away from kind of taking that striker responsibility. Um, he's super consistent in, in FPL, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he might not be scoring so much, but he's going to get you an assist. Is, is he the new hurricane? But for assists, <laughs> now. Um, <laughs> But um, he's not someone I'm, I'd be bringing in. Yeah. Um, I think I need to see more. I need to see Villa. Um, they're, they're kind of getting results, but I'd need to see him being the focal point completely in terms of you know getting more goals and being the you know even if it's just one goal a game, the reliable striker that you'd probably want from somebody um, in your fantasy team. All right, asking for a friend, Sam. Uh, if I had Nicholas Jackson and Ollie Watkins. Who do I get rid of during the break? Now, it's interesting, right? Because Nico Jackson isn't scoring any points. Ollie Watkins is kind of scoring points. But you've got some plum fixtures for Jackson. And Villa just look a little ragged, I have to say, at the moment. Gosh. Um, I would say I would remove Jackson. Mm -hmm. And only because of... Is he going to start yeah. getting a few less minutes? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really the interesting thing with with him. Okay, so a uh, quick note on defender frustration. Insane lack of clean sheets. Uh, two clean sheets kept this weekend. One was by America's own Matt Turner. Of course, we all had Forrest away at Stanford Bridge picked to be one of two clean sheets this weekend. My God, uh, that is a painful one. And then it was Liverpool hosting Aston Villa, kept a clean sheet. Sam, you love Trent Alexander-Arnold. I tell, I'm clear in the lane. What do you want to say about this young man? Should and should we all have Trent Alexander-Arnold? Because so far, what I've seen of Trent is a uh, great job keeping a clean sheet this game week. But the guy, he's shooting like Darwin Nunez at the moment. Uh, he that's cannot. not bad. That's not bad. <laughs> well, okay. Like he's shooting, he's shooting like the, uh, the generally conceived idea of Darwin Nunez, not Nunez from the last couple of weeks. He cannot hit the frame. No. Um, I do like Trent and I've stuck by him from the start. So I did get Alison and Trent's clean sheet this week. And I think you. generally mm-hmm. who's going to get clean sheets. I think it is probably going to be your usual candidates. City, Arsenal, West Ham, Liverpool, Palace, Spurs. Teams at the top are most likely to win games and they're the teams that are most likely to not concede. Yeah. Right? Is, is it that simple? But um, I think chasing clean sheets, I think Eric's got a great point. Maybe we shouldn't be putting too much in there, but I have Trent. He is has been a liability the first three games, but I think he maybe positioned or was told to, to, to play a little bit different uh, yesterday yeah. and I think it worked because I felt like he was in better defensive positions but also still going very far forward when he got the chance and he's on every set piece okay Robertson actually takes corners on both sides sometimes but I'm not going to get rid of him but I probably wouldn't recommend bringing him in yet while we're talking about clean sheets we're obliged to talk about goalkeepers in every episode and 
it's it's insanity out there. I mean, people with Onana, such as myself, two zero pointers in a row. It's it's horrifying. Jordan Pickford has been a nightmare for people who just thought, hey, that 4.5 keeper is going to get a lot of save points. Uh, it's not proven true. You've gone premium with Allison. Is is it a question of just pick one between Ederson and Allison for your goalkeeper? Is that is that where we've landed? Or or would you spare a thought for, you know, the Fleckens of the league? Yeah, I, I would say don't be racing in the expensive goalkeeper, especially Liverpool, I don't mind, only because I'm uncertain of who will play outfield the whole time in the attacking positions. Mm-hmm. City, I would probably not go for Edison because he wasting a City slot. Yeah. Um, but so the other ones that I've kind of got written down, you know, Turner's price is quite attractive with Ariola, maybe. Uh, Leno, okay, they've conceded quite a lot of goals, but um, <laughs> no, someone around that price point that's yeah. going to play, they're going to get safe points. Maybe, you know, they're going to get a few clean sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, Spurs, what about their defense? Um, Right. Yeah, I think Spurs defense is maybe the concern with Spurs defense is it's going to fall victim to Postacoglio's very attacking style. And while I think I think there's the Spurs defense maybe has overperformed a little bit. And just looking at Udagi as a pick, that's the fantasy uh, strategy is goalkeepers are almost worthless to your fantasy squad because you can only get points one way basically and it's through a clean sheet obviously you can get save points and and once a season get lucky with a pen save but basically you're relying on clean sheets in that position if you have a team like spurs where you've got an option like udagi who's very attacking you unlock another few routes to those fantasy points so that would be my case against the spurs keeper uh and I want to save Onana from his fate, his fantasy fate. I want him to be my guy, basically. And I'm pinning it all on Hoyland. I think Hoyland being yeah. healthy, and this is some real, like, I'm not a Manchester United fan, but this is just like fan talk of just like this hopeful, this one guy, he's going to flip the script. He's going to change it all. But Manchester um, United have just... They've been lacking not just a something. They've been lacking a lot of of something. What 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 have you been what have you been making about of United of Manchester United? Um, there's one thing nobody could have predicted was that Maguire and Johnny Evans were going to finish a game together <laughs> against, against Arsenal. Yeah, surreal stuff. Uh, yeah. That would basically um, like yeah. be me and you, Sam, uh, being in central defense. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think in terms of football talking, I, I think um, Hoyland looked good. Uh, he looked really yeah. exciting. To, he, he was really interested uh, in um, both going in behind and coming for the ball. He looks bloody strong. I think he's a great sign-in. Maybe that helps United, but um, I think... If they won the game yesterday, I think it would have um, been a miss. Kind of, it would have swept all of their problems under the rug. Um, so I think they definitely need to. There's a lot of work to do there, but um, I'm a Liverpool fan, so it's quite nice to say. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, 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 I'm not going to have Rashford or Bruno in my fantasy team, but they still kind of scare me not having them. Yeah. Um, so they're certainly still capable of scoring goals, still capable of winning games. 
I don't think they're going to win the league, but I think they're probably going to finish up there. Let's close things out, Sam, with uh, sort of more of a, a philosophical, uh, psychological question from Stephen Curtis, who asks, and I, I feel this one, Stephen. I think it's a good question. On paper, my team has looked good, but my scores have not been there. My transfers have been Foden in game week three, Sterling and Madison this week. Very disheartening. I mean, and Stephen here, as a sidebar, is noting, particularly with Foden and Madison, players who have been delivering. But Stephen goes on to say, very disheartening, uh, have to keep reminding myself it's a marathon, wanting to wildcard after the international break in game week eight, but it's looking sooner rather than later. So what do you have to say to managers who are frustrated, uh, who have been making sound decisions based on good data, good eye tests, you know, casting their their lot with, with good clubs and good players? And here they are just falling 25 points behind in their mini leagues. Is this a time to panic and say, I need to totally uh, reshape my approach to the season? Or like for me, I do think what you said earlier, Sam, about you just can't stand still is really important. And that's probably the most important thing. You have to do something, but you don't have to then go and do everything uh, like overhaul your entire team. I think Steve's pointing out he's got some really good players in his fantasy squad. Um, so the whole idea is is don't panic, but don't stand still, right? What do you think? I mean, I think he's given sound advice to everyone. <laughs> if I'm honest, I think he said, you know, my, my team looks good, which is um, reasonable. Uh, he's made very good transfers, I think. Um, he's also given sound advice to anybody that's feeling the same because it is true. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So we need to calm down, assess the... The information that you've got, um, but it'd be interesting to see what the rest of his team looks like. And you know, is there other players, four or five, six players that mm-hmm. also need to be moved out? Then maybe it is time to to wildcard now. But it seems to me like Stephen has control and knows how to make the right changes. Really, yeah. just continue doing that. Yeah, just like keep moving, keep tweaking, uh, and and it will come together week to week. Shiv asks, uh, are you wildcarding over the break? Neither of us are. Between me and Sam, uh, I don't know about Josh. Tune in next week. If so, who would be straight in in the Game Week 5 deadline? I think this is really the the spirit of uh, of this episode, Sam, is who, is who are the players who you know after four game weeks are the guys, uh, apart from Erling Holland. You mentioned Sun, Sun straight in on a wild card. Give me like two or three other players who just like you'd be ridiculous to not have these guys. I'd say the three Spurs players, if Mm -hmm. I'm honest. I'd say, what about Trippier? Now, come on with this. I've heard this name mentioned in these FPL streets, Sam. I don't get it. The guy costs, what does he cost now? Six point six and a half million? Uh, let's let's look it up. Why is why is Trippier so expensive? I'm going to write a whole book about it. Six point five million. Let me read you the scores from this kid. Two two zero one. Yeah, the fixtures do turn for Newcastle. But speaking of ragged looking teams, Newcastle, uh, it's worrying. I think what we're seeing now. This kind of this goes hand in hand with what I'm I'm trying to create this narrative around Manchester United because the same thing is is pretty much happening at Newcastle. They've made 
they brought in some decent players over the summer. They've, uh, I mean, Newcastle is not suffering from injuries the way that Manchester United is, but um, I feel like there's some gelling uh, that still needs to happen, and, and Newcastle will be all right. But tell me why I'm spending six and a half million on Trippier when Botman should be back from his ankle injury in pretty quick order at 4.5. Yeah, it was Trippier, or if not because of the price, (laughs) Botman. I really blew you out of the, out of the podcast there, Sam. (laughs) Yeah. I, 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 you know, if I I put Botman question mark injured, (laughs) but um, that would be my kind of, um, welcome to the big league, Sam. No kidding. Um, But you know, you've got your, Holland, Foden, Alvarez to assess, maybe a City defender. Yeah. Um, you've got your Spurs guys, and Bomo's a definite. Yeah. Um, maybe at least um, one of the Arsenal midfielders. Um, and then, you know, then your normal um, people ex- thinking like who's exciting as well. Um, yeah. Ward Prowse is quite exciting. I'd love to be able to get him in. Um, but uh, excitement, ex-excitement is yeah. definitely, um, <laughs> yeah, definitely I there. I, I agree. Yeah, Ward Prowse is kind of in the uh, uh, same, the same conversation. He's, he's fighting for that same position in their squads as Mbomo sort mm. of already has locked down. He is the Swiss Army fantasy asset this season. And I f- the sense is Mbomo is going to be that for, for the mm. entire season. So... I agree. I feel like I'm missing out not having him in. And I think Foden to Mbomo is weirdly like a pretty obvious move to make. Uh, lower lower ceiling, but the the just the sheer consistency that Brentford's going to deliver. And I think Mbomo, like his, his value might only get better once Tony comes back. And Mbomo's like in full season match fitness and is just has has a buddy to play off of so all right sam no better place to leave it than brian and bomo i think we picked up on a lot of clues that the season has served us enough that will it will fight the international break blues that we're sure to be feeling uh come saturday morning uh, how are you going to spend the break sam what do you got cooking i am going to my six-year-old's football tournament on saturday oh, what more would you want right what's what's her team name um, she plays for uh, uh, local Norwegian professional football players. Um, one of his first childhood teams, uh, Rosaland. Um, Up the Rosaland. So that's yeah. what we'll say. I want that. Mm. I want to make that hashtag go viral during the break. Up the Rosaland. I'll arrange. I'll arrange you a scarf. What would we? What? What? What do the fans? What do the ultras cheer at uh, Rosaland matches? There's a. There's actually a song. Uh, yeah. They have a song which is um, played. Um, so I can also. Kindly share that with you to play on repeat over the international break. Fantastic. Send it my way. I'll put it at the end of the podcast. All right. Well, good luck to uh, to Rosaland uh, FC. Uh, I hope it's a great tournament for you and your daughter. Uh, stay tuned. Always Cheating will be back next week in our usual time slot, Sunday night, Monday morning. Josh and I will talk about our Game Week 5 decisions and any news coming out of the international break again. If you want to become a Patreon supporter of the pod, just go to patreon.com slash always cheating, where you can access our discord chat forum and get access to an extra podcast each week. Now's the time when we thank our producers, Sam, I'm about to put you on the spot. I see your eyes lit up. You're opening up the document. The pressure's on. Give us those producer names. 
Here we go. So thank you very much, Mike DiPietro, Trevor Ingerson, our buddy Chris Howell, Baba Schoon, James Holland, Dave Wagner-Lodol, Nick Wright, Lazarus Yenos, Jesse Halstead, Bruce Kerr, Brian Chin, Blair Jacobson, Todd Bayerly, Andy Portlock, <laughs> at FPL Merch. There's no way Kerry to put a Norwegian <laughs> spin on at FPL Merch, is there? <laughs> Kerry Swanson, Jeff, Jefferson Turner, Buffalo Wildmings, Francis Moore, Sam Shower, Shower? Yeah, you Shower? got it. You got it. Kalev Rabi, Valga Palsen Kruger, Alex Holmkum, James Keedley, The Saint, Bob Fox, Craig Dak Jackson, Charlene F. Kadakia, you've practiced this, yep. Terence O'Donnell, Paul Herzig, Heath Cram, Thomas Tisloff, Noel Louise, Travis Grant, Julia Penner, Linus Winstrom, Wienerstrom, Dan Parsons, James C., Matthew Skinner, Frude Jakobsen, Brennan, Daniel Hart, and our new producer, Lolly. Well done, Sam. That was brilliant. Yes. All right. Big thanks to all of our producers at the at the top tier. Uh, rate, review, subscribe wherever podcasts are found. Follow us on social media for all this information and more. Go to our website, alwayscheating.com. Sam Danby Bailey, you are a legend in the United States. You're a legend in Wales. You're a legend in England. And now you are a legend in Norway. Thank you for joining me on Always Cheating. Any last words? Thank you very much for having me. Brilliant. Humble, humble as always. All right, everyone. Enjoy the break. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.